Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 648 with Scott Roberts. real reason we're as large as we are is one of the reasons why I think we're successful. Because my father was, uh, he was a hill country friendly guy. And so he, his, what he said was, okay, if people are going to drive all this way out here to try my barbecue, I'm going to have some for it. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365 a value of $5,000. Here is a statistic for you. 89% of all guests will research a restaurant online before dining out. So you've got to start thinking about how you can extend your in-house hospitality and attention to detail to the online world. Bento Box is a great place to start. They will develop a restaurant website that not only leaves lasting impressions with your guests, but also provides hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online and guests into your restaurant. Sign up today at Get bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. It doesn't get easier than Cake. Cake is the point of sale built for restaurants that's easy to set up and use. With cloud-based access from any device, 24-7 customer support, and a lifetime access to Cake University, how could you not love Cake? To learn more about Cake point of sale, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you're a restaurant unstoppable listener, you will save $750 off activation. Again, that's trycake.com slash unstoppable. Unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Scott Robert. Scott, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? Unstoppable. <laughs> yes. So the Salt Lake has a story that dates back to the 1830s when Scott Roberts' ancestors came to Texas with Stephen F. Austin and moved the Driftwood, Texas in the 1870s. Over the next 100 years, barbecue techniques were developed by Roberts' family that would eventually be used in the original Salt Lake, which was established in 1967 by Scott's Robert's parents, uh, Thurman and Hisako Roberts. In 1985, the business was passed from parents to son, and in the preceding 30 years, Scott would scale the original footprint and open an additional three locations, and today Salt Lake is continuously recognized as one of the best barbecue joints in America, so I cannot wait to get into your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote, a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Yeah, if you want to be successful in this business, you've got to devote your life to it. You got to put your heart and soul in it. You got to be friendly and serve the best quality product you can. Beautiful. Great way to get this thing started. So I know you have a lot of family history and Salt Lake is a result of that family history. But where does it make sense to start? Take us to where you want to start the story. Well, you know, all of my relatives started coming with Stephen F. Austin. His name was Freeman George. And then you just everything kept getting passed down. 
the Robertses and maternal side of my father, the Howards, moved to Driftwood in 1870 to 1880. Uh, my father was born and raised on the track where the Salt Lake is, and uh, he just loved the area. He used to build bridges, but he'd had to be gone too long from Driftwood, so he quit, and they came up with the idea of doing many things. But one of them was the Salt Lake, and one day he had another gentleman and I meet him, and he made a mark in the ground with the boot, and then he made a, got his barbecue <laughs> fork and made another mark, and that's how the original pit was sized. And then Loopy and I went and got gravel out of the creek, and rocks off the land built him a pit cut all the cedar trees down laid the fence down and then he would sleep on the cot and cook barbecue and sell it to people going up and down the road See, what, everything was built around that original pit man and if you i mean we'll, we'll have video i'll take some photos for people that are listening to this but what you've created in the, since your family what you and your family have created since 1967 is massive like this, this footprint where we are today is a beautiful facility and it's amazing to think that it all started with a footprint in the ground and i think that when people are trying to start their business they, they try to replicate what you've created and then i'll realize that this is over what uh 67 how many years ago is that I, <laughs> a lot of I'm years i'm a cook i'm not a mathematician so <laughs> yeah. i don't really remember but uh yeah but the real reason we're as large as we are is one of the reasons why i think we're successful because my father was uh he was a hill country friendly guy and so he his what he said was, okay, if people are going to drive all this way out here to try my barbecue, I'm going to have some for him. And if they, and he does, he didn't want them to wait in line too long. So every time the waits got over an hour and a half or so, we would add on to the building and then expand it. Mm. And then the original building was expanded in three different expansions until he hit a tree that he liked and he stopped and then he jumped across the original driveway built another <laughs> building and started you know I expanding that. that way so the salt lick the big thing that you see now was due to eight different expansions but every one of them was because he told me don't let them wait in line too long keep making the kitchen bigger you know, don't send them, don't let them drive all the way out here and go home with nothing. Yeah. And I love that idea of scaling slowly over time and using benchmarks, right? Mm-hmm. Like hard benchmarks, uh, whether that's cash flow or weights in line. But like when, if your line is getting longer and longer, then the cash flow, you can, you can assume the cash flow is there too, right? So letting that cash flow determine your growth um, well, or it, waiting in line just it, to the service. It had to right? be off the cash flow because. That's where he got the money exactly. to make the Rex building. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't borrow money. You know? Yeah, I love that. that. One of the things he did, and he had uh, lots of other things that he didn't do, like telephones and air conditioning and things like that. <laughs> we'll get into that as the story progresses, I'm sure. Uh, but one thing I love about your story and your parents' story is that your parents were entrepreneurs. I mean, your dad was a, was he a, a general con- – what was his – I know he, he built was a bridges. general contractor. Okay. So um, when he decided that, that he wanted to be home with his family, your parents were just real true entrepreneurs. They made a list of what you said – a list. I think it was 54, 54 things, things, right? And the Salt Lake was the 14th. What was it about the Salt Lake that stood out with those 54? Well, we started things? with the first – 13. Okay. <laughs> and then he just did the barbecue. My father, they call it pit masters now. My father was actually, oh, back then they call it the guy that cooks the barbecue at the family reunions. So you had a family reunion or a party, he's the one that cooked the barbecue. So he was just, and they were just So he was things. known for cooking barbecue. So they're just trying different things and seeing what would have traction. And do you, do you remember talking to them about. Um, no, all the other 13 worked. Okay. It's just that once the salt lick got started and you put his philosophy of being friendly serving quality products, keeping everything fresh, 
in the play, it just got so big so quick. It ate all the other 13 up. So I would love to talk more, spend some time just talking more about what your parents, reflecting back at what they did right, uh, what you learned from them, uh, the values they had, just maybe starting with your dad and we can transition to your mother. What was it? You mentioned your dad said he was just a, a friendly dude, right? Um, what else was it about your dad that you think? Set this well, they were hard workers. You know, okay. the American people are the hardest workers in the world have been forever, but that, that was it. They were, you know, hard workers. You know, we used to stay at, uh, someone had to watch the pits back then all night long and turn the meats and stuff. And, uh, the, the key to success is that they just worked very hard and never gave up and, did it their way or i guess in today's world you'd say you know stuck to their core values mm-hmm. well what about just as a business or not not as a business person but as a, uh, a man uh, the the values that you learned from your dad the things that you think really um transformed who you are today from learning from your dad just be persistent mm-hmm. and uh just keep working hard and stick to what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. What about your mother? Who was your mother? What did she bring to this table? My mother was, uh, her parents came to Hawaii in the 1880s, and um, my father met, and she was born on the island of Kauai. And then they met, uh, they met during World War II, and um, she was frugal, hardworking, things like that. She, you know, every generation, except for me, tweaked the, techniques and the recipes just a little bit they all stuck to the well all of our recipes come from wagon trains when there was no refrigeration and things so everything is done fresh in small batches and she tweaked them just a little bit the barbecue sauce is actually a had its originations in carolina and georgia so it had, you know, it's a mustard vinegar based sauce. Where your your ancestors were before they they moved before to they Texas. Came to Texas yeah. yeah, it has no tomatoes in it though, and so normally those kind of sauces separate. Well, she came up with a way to basically emulsify it where it doesn't separate, and that makes it actually taste different. But uh, that that was what she did, and then she added powdered ginger to the recipe, and then she added uh, pop sesame seeds to the coleslaw and the potato salad. So she did that. And then my father just perfected the barbecue cooking techniques. Yeah. So, um, so nothing I'm hearing, is broken. I'm not going to fix it. <laughs> yeah. So what you're, I think what your mother brought to the table, I mean, obviously the, the work ethic, like your father, but also that unique selling proposition of a different, she comes from a different culture, right? Um, Japanese. Yeah, she was, they, they came from Japan, but a lot of I don't know if she, she didn't bring a different culture. I okay. mean, like, in the barbecue sauce, there's 36 different ingredients, so okay. adding ginger just kind of highlighted it. And adding the pop sesame seeds just added a little nutty flavor to it. But they're all basically, there's really no additional culture added there. And I, mean, I just mentioned a unique selling proposition, but I know that your cooking process is very unique, too. Um, do you want to get into a little bit of what makes your process different from other barbecue in Texas? Well, the process that was originally, well, it's a three-step process. It's uh, seasoning, searing. So it's seasoning, searing on high heat, and then it's slow cooking. And then at the last, we bring them back and put them over the high heat again and caramelize the barbecue sauce on the outside. We also pick up uh, some of the sauce drips, hit the coals, and comes back up. So you pick up that smoke flavor. And then those, uh, when you cook steaks, the flare-ups get out of control. So we control those with pecan hulls that we soak in water 
And so you pick up those three flavors. You pick up the caramelization, the flare-up smoke flavor, and you pick up the pecan flavor from, from that. So that's what you know makes us unique. But one thing in I our love, flavor profile. One thing I love about what you do is you're really good about pointing that out. You you don't do it like everybody else, and you make it known that you don't do it like everybody else. What's the thought process behind that? Well, the thought process behind that is just that a lot of people say that those big round pits and that fire that you see at the beginning is just show. And the reason I point that out is I just want people to understand that it's not show, that it's integral to our cooking process. Using that radiant high heat, et cetera, et cetera, is 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 um, is integral to the process without those big open pits we wouldn't pick up those three additional flavor profiles and mm. that's what separates us and so it's just you know it's just i don't know i think there's just a lot of things wanting, wanting people to get things right <laughs> yeah well there's a lot of things going there when you educate people and you and you show them that 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 there's a process and that it's unique they they get more and they get pulled into the process right and they like that it's different and then you did point out that it that that massive pit and i'll get photos of that massive pit um is a, a great show but it's not just for show but it does leave an impression it does like you oh, walk through oh, the front oh, without door without a doubt that yeah. pit that pit is probably the most it's a wow factor it's, it's the most Photographed pit probably in the United States. But what you're doing is you're you're creating an experience from the story that's behind the food, right? And the actual impression that pit makes on you. You're not just coming for delicious barbecue. You're really coming for a show. It wasn't created. It wasn't thought out. It just evolved over time. I think that this is a byproduct of, of doing things right. Doing right? things right. And yeah. then when, when you do things right, don't be afraid to show people that you're doing and it And don't right. be afraid to tell them. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. That's a huge lesson right there. So we like to tell them, you know, like our... Our side dishes are very plain. It's because their uh, recipes originated when they had no refrigeration. So they're just very simple. They're just cabbage, potatoes, beans, and seasonings. And, you know, there's no great amounts of them because they didn't have that much. Mm. And so that's what they're all based upon. Our coleslaw is really a southeastern vinegar-based coleslaw. Okay. Our potato salad is a... Potato, peeled potatoes with sauce and pepper and salt and pickled onions, you know. So let's start transitioning to how you started getting involved with the restaurant. So it started in, in 1967. Um, you took over in 1985. But what was happening before 1985? Uh, with me, I, you know, I was working on weekends. Okay. Uh, Here, I'm assuming? Yeah. Okay. Once I started going to college, before then I just worked here. Okay. And I uh, hated it because <laughs> it was working on weekends. I was yeah. washing dishes when my friends were out on dates, you know. I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, thank God I got over that. Uh, so anyway, and then I uh, went to college. And what did you study? Out. What did you study in college? Uh, I was an economics and finance major. Okay. I'm sure that came in helpful. Yeah. And then um, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> but uh well, be, honesty. be honest with you uh then uh and then i would help out on weekends and then my father passed away and my mother was trying to run it by herself and so i would help her uh a lot and then she so he passed in 1981 tired. correct yeah. around that time mm-hmm. so you kind of so you slowly started scaling in from like 80 i mean you were working here as a child but you started taking more responsibility around 81 what did that responsibility look like Oh, it was, uh, I don't know, just just to continue, just more hours here, doing okay. the same thing I had been doing. Yep. Um, and 
at what point did you start to have the conversation about getting more involved? Yeah, she just told me she was going to stop. Okay. I think this is good. Speaking of stopping, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll get right back into it, picking up there. See you in a few seconds. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs, only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions no more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5k. All right, we're back and you just started getting into the point to, you started saying like you're about to take over because you're, I mean, at this point, your mother, 85, how old was your mother? She must've been getting old. I know she was 104 when she passed just last year. That's yeah. Crazy. So that'd be 85 from 104. Make me do math again. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's this industry, um, it, it can, I mean, you get tired after so long. They were long, in their sixties so. when they started the solid. Oh, so from... Wow. So there, she was in her 80s. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So what was the transition like? How Take us through that. Because I know there might be some people listening to this who might be in that same situation where they're so transitioning. She just stopped. She just stopped? Yeah. And okay. then she would show up and tell me what I did wrong. <laughs> okay. Well, take us through that process. Well, she would just come in, you know, and say, you know, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And I can't help. I can't help but think of Danny Myers in his words of just like that constant gentle pressure of having standards. Right? Uh, it wasn't that. No. What was it? It was just you did this wrong. Okay. <laughs> but it was standards, though, right? Or or just it was. No, a, she'd like to tell me I did things wrong. Okay. <laughs> but what what kind of impact did that have on you? Did it did it irritate you? Did it make you better? Oh, it. Uh, no, neither one. It just we knew what we <laughs> needed to do. It was just that. She just liked to nitpick. Okay. So when you started, when you took over, you took the reins, what were you thinking? Were you thinking you wanted to change things? Were you thinking you wanted to scale? Because you continued to scale beyond that point, right? Yeah, I just was just, I just continued what was going on. What was going on? The only thing, you know, the, the one thing that we did was we made it more like a backyard barbecue. Okay. We, for your weight, we added music. What was the reason for that? Uh, it was always that way. Just, just a continual growth of an evolution. Okay. You know, when the waits got too long, it was like when you're cooking barbecue at home, and you're waiting a long time for the meat to get ready. You know, people come over visit. Da, 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 da. So we, that was my thought to make it like that. So we, and you know, the Austin music industry back in the '70s and '80s was just getting started, and so there were a lot of people that needed a little job every once in a while. So we had them come out and just play for the crowd. Okay. And then it, uh, you know, it just, uh, that portion just grew from there. And then uh, the only other things that we did was, you know, like 
my father wouldn't air condition, so I air conditioned the place. He didn't like telephones, so I put a telephone in, things like that. <laughs> so you basically just took it to the, the – you modernized it. You kept it what it was, but you, you put the amenities in I place. I added the – yeah, I added uh, the, necessities. The, the standards uh, that were required at that point, what people expected, the expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what else were, were the major differences between, let's say uh, – then and now like take us through like the evolution of salt lick and the, the big changes you did make really no big changes just, just, just the just the size put in a big put in a parking lot used yeah. to be there was no parking lot and like i said just air conditioning added phones and just continued doing exactly what he had been doing before so i mean i guess what i'm pulling from you if you if you, if you have a formula that works don't change it yeah right what, if what's it's the not broke don't fix it yeah and, and that that story is part of what the brand is right that mm-hmm. so why change that um when did you know it was time to scale whenever the wait got too long you mean when when was the time well, to make a beyond new this location oh beyond this lo- it was just that uh they the people you know, Austin's airport was the first one that had local brands in it. And they were having a bidding competition or whatever it was. And these this group came and asked me, would you join our team? And, you know, and help represent Austin and stuff like this. And, you know, at that time, we decided, I said, yeah, let's, let's do that. And then the way the Round Rock location came about is when somebody else came up and approached us. And, you know, that's owned by the Ryan family. Yeah. And they really wanted us. It's their family business. And the real reason that we did it is because it was a, it's a kind of a historic area. And those, there's some gigantic oak trees there on the, on the site where we're at. And, and it, so it kind of fit here. And so that's the reason we did it. So I think this is something that's worth diving into a little bit more because, um, you and your family built this brand, built this, this reputation and you attracted onto yourself people who are interested to, to get, to be involved with it. Um, how do you know what people to work with and what not people to work with? I mean, some people can come in corporations can come in and try to change things. How did you deal with that? People trying to come in and be involved with what you have, you and your family have created while keeping it the same. Oh, we just, you know, we tell them, okay, if you want to, like the, like the Round Rock deal is, okay, you can financially participate, but you can't participate in anything else. How do you make sure that that happens? Is there anything you did to protect well, yourself? It's just the venture, the way that you write the venture. Okay, so get an operations agreement in place mm-hmm. is what I'm hearing. Anything key that you did with that operations agreement that you think some people might miss? No. Hire, no yeah. Did you hire a lawyer or anything along those lines? Yes. Yeah, you do need a lawyer to do it. Yeah. So, any advice in that regard? Well, just make sure that you have a, you feel comfortable with the lawyer you get. Okay. You know, it's just like everything. You need to have a working rapport. Okay. Um, I was approached by this wealthy family out of Chicago that wanted to do salt licks in Chicago, and we talked about it for a while, and then ultimately said very kindly, uh, no. We're going to pass, and the reason why is that we just didn't feel comfortable. What was it about that situation that was uncomfortable? I didn't think that they would live up to the traditions, and that they would ultimately start. If you, I thought that you would have to watch, stand over their shoulder all the time, to make sure that they um, um, use the quality products that you wanted them to. 
They were too profit motivated. Yeah, and that's you know money is important. We need our businesses to to, to profit. We do it. We need it. Yeah, we we do need profit from our businesses. But at the same time, if you get blinded by the dollar bills, you know you, you can you'll lose the soul. And if was, you lose the soul, then you won't make any of that and money. That's, that's why we said no. Yeah, kindly awesome. said no. Yeah. So. I mean, the property itself, you, you've scaled, you have you have other businesses. How are you diversifying your par- portfolio? Because it's barbecue, it's also a winery, you also do pop-ups, you have, I know you're in the Longhorn Stadium, you have concessions. Like how are not you anymore. Di- not anymore, but you have that. You've tried different things. Well, that's a couple things to say is that where you see the vineyards were my grandmother's cotton fields. And then after they were cotton, there were other stuff. So the agricultural aspect... It's been a family tradition since 1902. Okay. And the vineyards are just the last agriculture thing that we put in the fields. Okay. okay. It was peach trees before that, but I killed all the peach trees. The other <laughs> stuff that, that you intentional see. intentional or No, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I just can't raise peaches. I do good on grapes, but okay. I can't raise peaches. Gotcha. And then the other thing, too, is that the family is, so the Longhorn Stadium and the pop-ups and things like you see, that's my daughter. And actually, the salt lick cellars and that uh, that portion—that's my daughter. Okay, it's the continuation of the family, and the, the and she's going to take over for me, and you know, da 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 da. And I hear you. And that's uh, and so uh, that's why you see those kind of things. So, what's your life look like today? Because obviously, you're not hanging over the pit every day. I feel like your your business development more. Is that safe to say? No, I'm. Uh, I'm quality control and then business development. Okay. So what advice do you have for transitioning from being solely cooking to uh, quality control to how do you maintain that standard? Because it's clear that your standards are very important to you. That consistency of of doing it the right way is very important to you. How are you maintaining those standards? Mm, Training. What's that look like? Uh, Well, you know, like some of the people that have been one of the pit masters, you call them pit masters now, has been here 38 years. Uh, his son is taking over, and uh, it's just like that. You got to come in and work here for a long time, and then you learn how to do it. And then all you have to do is watch key things. So basically, you you and your parents redeveloped yourself into somebody else who could then take over that that aspect of the business, so you could redirect your attention somewhere else. How do you make sure that person maintains the standards? Well, you had to. You have to come and check. <laughs> like, like your basis. mom used to do. Yeah, yeah. You come in, right? Yeah. Um, so when you did have that new bandwidth to start focusing on other projects, how did you let – what did you – what determined what you were going to work on? What were you – were you just trying different things? Like when you – like take it from there. Yeah, we were just trying different things. Like I said, the peaches – Didn't work. Didn't work. And I had a friend who liked wine, so we planted grapes. So what was it about the wine that worked, the grapes that worked? What was successful about that? Oh, what's successful about that is that um, Driftwood is not really a town. It's a stretch of Onion Creek where there's switchbacks and the floods would slow down and the driftwood would fall out and people would come in all year long with wagons to get their firewood. Well, at the same time, so the stretch became known as Driftwood. Well, at the same time that it was dropping the firewood, it dropped dirt. So Driftwood is atypical for the hill country. Normally, it's three inches, and then you hit limestone. Three inches dirt, you hit limestone. Uh, where you and I are sitting right now is probably 18 feet of alluvial wow. soil. We also took the soil and sent it to Sagacio Vineyards in Napa Valley, 
and they tested it and came back and told us that it's better than 95% of the soil in California for growing grapes. Wow. And then they said, well, you don't have our climate. So we started off specializing in grapes from around the Mediterranean, which everybody, I haven't been to Provence, but everybody tells me it looks exactly like Provence, feels exactly like Provence. And so we started off growing Syrah, Tempranillo, Mavedra, those type of grapes from around the Mediterranean, Sangiovese, where what you see here was what they grew up in over hundreds of thousands of years. And, and so with the soil and the right grapes and the proper care, they took off and they make extremely good wines. So you didn't just start trying to grow grapes. You, you put a little bit of work into making sure that your soil would be able to support what you wanted to do. You did a little bit of research. No, we just started growing grapes. So when did you know that what made you want to go the get third year? Was it doing really well, and you were just curious why it was doing well? No, we were. We just had a really good relationship with the people from Sagacio. Okay, I got you. So we decided, let's just find out. So we sent it off. Okay, cool. Um, anything else that you think we should definitely talk about? Anything that we should we need to know about your success? What you've been doing right that we haven't touched on yet? No, I think we pretty much, you know, covered it. It's it's very simple. It's it's devotion. It's uh, hard work. It's uh, caring, you know, being, you know, caring about what you do. I love it. Um, so one question, um, actually, before I get into that, I, one thing that was curious, uh, you mentioned when you, when you took over in 1985, right, you added, like, air conditioning, running water, and a few other amenities that you felt like we needed, like bathrooms. Uh, I'm curious, uh, I noticed that you do cash only. How has that served your business? What are the benefits of that? Well, a lot of people complain. I was curious about that. But, uh, you know, there were two things. There were 14 different things, and I can't remember all of them, that my father did that he asked me not to do. And I carried two traditions. The two traditions are we don't sell alcoholic beverages and we don't take credit cards because those were the two things he did not really want to do. That and, see, like... um, if he knew I was cooking chicken and turkeys on, on his pit, he'd beat me up. <laughs> he, he just, you know, he want, He said, just cook brisket, ribs, and sausage on my pits. And I added, you know, the turkeys. That's one of the 14 things. Uh, air conditioning is one of those. But so I just wanted to carry something on. So the reason we don't take credit cards is because he asked us not to. I respect that. Um so simply just honoring the respect of your, of your dad. But you, you did decide to add more things to the menu. What was the reason behind that? Was it just demand? I got bored. I don't blame you, man. <laughs> um, interesting. All right. Thank you very much. So uh, the last question I'm going to ask you is something I, I ask all my guests before we go to the speed round is, you know, the, the mission of this, of this podcast is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. So how have you transformed since, you know, taking over in 1985 to who you are today? How have you grown as a man? Have I grown as a yeah. man? Oh, I just think I've become more responsible. Okay, what does that look like? How does, you know, paint that picture of what being more responsible looks like? I think I pay attention to detail more. Okay. To, yeah. I love it. That's the thing to say. 
All right. Well, we're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Cake makes it easy. Thousands of restaurant operators are using Cake POS and loving it. With its easy, simple-to-use, and intuitive interface, how could you not? Cake users are achieving peak satisfaction with 24-7 customer support, not to mention lifetime access to Cake University. No wonder customer satisfaction scores are so high. Everything about Cake is simple, including its POS integration with Cake Guest Manager, in Google reservations, which basically allows your guests to book reservations or get on wait lists straight from Google search or Google maps. That's pretty rad. This simple integration alone has increased guest count by as much as 25%. To learn more about how Cake makes it easy, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can save $750 off activation for Cake Point of Sale. But you have to use my links. Again, that's trycake.com slash unstoppable. So this probably does not come as a surprise to you, but as you can imagine, I look at a lot of restaurant websites because I'm constantly researching my next guest, successful restaurateurs, and you'd be surprised how many of those people have bento box websites. I mean, I almost know instantly when looking at these websites because they're always so stunning and they always check every box, everything that a good restaurant website should have. These websites have them, and it's because they're going to Bento Box to get the work done. And not only will Bento Box leave a lasting impression with your guests, but Bento Box websites come with hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online. With Bento Box, you can easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events directly from your website. Bento Box puts you in control so you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bring your restaurant hospitality online with bento box by signing up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Caring about people. That means customers and employees. How do you show people you care? By the quality of the product we turn out and that we never run out and how friendly our service staff is. What's one thing you do to show your, your people, your employees that you care? If they get a shout out by name on social media, then they get a bonus. I love it. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? Mm, um Jesus. <laughs> an, un, an unpaved parking lot. Right. Are you looking to do anything different about that? No. Okay. Because if I do something about that, then the water doesn't soak into the ground, and I get a really bad runoff, and, you know, we don't do things like that. You I know, like you. we compost most everything. At one point in time, we composted everything that came out of here. We wow. composted the bones, the fat, everything. What was the reason for that? Of why I do that? Yeah. Uh, because it's the right, <laughs> it's the right, it's the right thing, thing to do. To do. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the place where I was doing the composting, I lost. And so now then I'm looking for another place. So I've started the composting operation back up again. Okay. So when you're growing your team, this is the next question. When you're growing your team, what's one thing you look for when you're building that team uh, in the person you're looking to hire? Desire. What, what does, how do you know you see desire when it's there? 
Mm, well, how do you know that? You can just feel it. I mean, I, just don't, I don't know how to describe it. So you why, just feel why, it. And then we, everybody gets hired on a – you're hired temporarily. And then you actually see it when you have to actually do the work. Because it's just doing the work, it's very hard. So why do you feel like desire is that most important thing? Because without desire, you don't have quality. I love without desire, you don't have friendly, you don't have a smile. You know, mm. you work really hard and you're tired. And if you don't have desire, you don't have it. You won't smile. You won't be friendly. So what's your biggest challenge today? Uh, biggest challenge today is uh, finding people with desire. <laughs> How are you overcoming that challenge? More advertising. More advertising. <laughs> oh, and, you know, we've been raising the wage, right? So where are you advertising? Um, I don't know what it's, what it's called. It's Indeed, Indeed or yep, something like that. That's definitely one of them. Uh, yep. One of those, yeah. So just basically the, the services that are out there. You, yeah, we just try to go at the services that are out there. And then we, you know, we people say, well, you know, are you going to be upset with the minimum wage? And if they raise the minimum wage, and, you know, our deal is no, <laughs> not at all, because we <laughs> left that behind 20 years ago, you know. So you, you left minimum wage behind 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Why was that? Because you couldn't attract good people paying mm-hmm. minimum wage. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the, the $15 an hour minimum wage? Like I said, all it's going to – it's what you need to do. Mm. And if you want the best people, you need to do that. Uh, but the only thing you have to understand is, as a consumer, your prices are going to go up. Got you. Share one code of conduct or behavior. This is a, something that you teach your team, a way to be, a way to act, a core value, if you will. Pick up trash when you see it. I love it. Why? Why is that the core value? Because if you pick up trash when you see it, then everything else comes from that. You know, if you if you understand that the place needs to be clean, that you need to take pride. You know, if you see something, you pick it up, then it just translates into everything else. Beautiful. Share one uncommon standard of service you teach your team. This is something that's standard within your four walls, but not standard within the industry. Oh, I would say smile. You know, and, and 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 be respectful within bounds, and um, but I, I guess that's sta- you know I guess that's standard. It is standard, but you, you'd you. be surprised at how many people forget the importance of a smile. Why is a smile so important? Because it tells everybody right off that you care. Mm. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant operator? There's two. Okay. Uh. The one that's called Raving Fans. Okay. I thought it was written by Disney, but it's actually written by somebody else patterned after Disney. So so what Walt said, Mr. Disney, he said that in the 50s, the United States became complacent and that you accepted good. He told all of his employees that if someone leaves one of the parks and you ask them, uh, how was your experience? And they said, good. And they say, good. He said, you failed. He said, the only time that you're successful is when they're a raving fan. They've come experience your deal, and they're raving about it, and they can't wait to tell somebody else how good it was. So then you succeeded. But a good is not in, not there. And then the other one is Danny Meyer. Yeah, and uh, just you know, the compound on that, like it's for, it's the word of mouth marketing, right? It's it's the most powerful type of marketing out there. Yeah, that's true. It's word of mouth about marketing, too. But you you have to understand that. If you do such a good job that someone wants to tell somebody else about it, then that's what you need to do. Yeah, I love that. Um, 
and I know I, I kind of feel like we experienced again this again in like the '90s and the 2000s when you saw this boom of corporations and franchises, and when that happened, like the bar got lowered again, right? And I feel like the the independents are making a, another comeback because we because of that ability. Well, independents kind of, are making a comeback, but you can't you can't say all not all all of them did that because you know I'm a a great fan of the Papa's family. I don't think I've ever seen anybody that compares to what they've done. I mean, all the Papa Do's, anyone you go to anywhere is fantastic. Anyone, uh, the, what are they, Papa Cita's? I don't go to those that much, but they're the same thing, you know. So you can do more than one location and still maintain your core values of friendliness, quality of service, et cetera, et cetera. How do you think they do that? What is it that you really I have no idea how they do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also mentioned Danny Meyer's book. What was it from Danny Meyer's book that really made an impact Constant on pressure. Constant pressure. I love it. Um, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough? Or often enough. Don't do well enough or often enough. Um, hmm. Uh, care. You know? Yeah. Lots of them just don't care. Why do you think they don't care? What's, what's going on in the world? Because that's the profit-motivated one. Yeah. It's just, just there to make the bucks. Feel or that. there that... Or the ones that seen a TV show that want to be a chef, <laughs> but don't want to pay the price. Right. Uh, so what is one piece of technology you've leveraged? I know that you guys keep things very basic around here uh, as far as keeping it true to what your dad and mother created, right? Simple. Uh, what, what is one piece of technology that you've adopted that's had a huge impact on your operation? Maybe it's in the, the corporate level or maybe with using the internet to hire or market, anything along those lines? And the point of sale system is great. Okay, you know, well, those things can help you and uh, tell you a lot. And What's one aspect of your point of sale that you leverage that you don't think other people are leveraging? Uh, oh, turn times, maybe. Okay, awesome. Uh, so this is the last question. It's a doozy, so get ready for it. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your restaurants, and your legacy would be lost with your departure with the exception of three things that you could leave behind that you know to be true about your success and your family's success. What would those three things be? My daughter, because that's part of the family's success is passing it on. Um, the look. You know, I think we've done a great job in making places look. It's a beautiful look. Like yeah. And the feel. I think that we create an experience. Yeah. Something you know, like to. Do you have a moment? Yeah. Okay, so people ask me, you know, uh, why is barbecue so big in Texas? And I said, well, because it's actually part of the social framework. Because when you start cooking a brisket, you start early in the morning. And then the smell drifts across the neighborhood. And so your neighbors start showing up. And so you sit around and drink beer and talk stories. And that goes on for a long time. And then when you finish cooking the brisket, you have this hunk of meat that no family can eat by themselves so the rest of the the rest of the neighborhood shows up with side dishes and more beer and guitars and you sit around all night long and you eat the barbecue and you drink and you socialize with your friends and neighbors and that's really what barbecue is to texas what i'm hearing is relationships that socialness it creates that it's the same thing you know if you look at the old 
movies. But giant. It was one of you know when they all got together, it was a barbecue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they were always grilling meats and doing barbecue. So that's really where I'm, I'm where happy. barbecue is with Texas. It's a social experience, and that's what we try to create here. We try to create the biggest continuous backyard barbecue in Texas. I'm, I'm so happy we're, we're ending on this note because you're, you're pointing something out that I think is just so important is that it's about the relationships. Like at the core of culture it's relationships, right? Everything we do to interact with each other and to show other people we care and that that's what food's all about. It's about the, it's not, I mean food is, is it a beautiful thing but it's beyond that it's the relationships. It's, it's, it's the impact. It's, it's something that gives you the chance to uh, interact with other people and you mentioned um you know the legacy leaving behind your daughter right and what is your advice for passing on the legacy because i think this is something else that doesn't come up a lot on the show and i can tell it's really important to you so what do we need to know when passing the torch uh how do we do that right do you just because you're this is gonna be the third give them the chance yeah you know if they want to they take it if they don't then let them go Awesome. I've loved this conversation. We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. That's how I found you, uh, Mr. Mandola, connecting me with you. Who's one of restaurant operators, somebody you respect and admire and believe would make a great guest mentor like you've made for us today? Well, you know, Danny Meyer. Setting <laughs> <laughs> that bar high. I like it. Oh, here locally? Uh, caught me by surprise on that one. Hmm. I, I don't know if he's doing well anymore. Um, Right down the road, there's this new place. It doesn't have that much, but it's called uh, Hay City Store. Mm. The people that own and operate that, you should talk to because they have created a feel. Yeah. Not only with the good food, but the way it looks and the way everybody acts there. You know, if you go, I went in there because I had a hankering for a chicken fried steak at 2.30 in the afternoon yesterday. And you go in there, and I sat at the little bar that they have to eat, and you could tell from the talk when everybody walked in it was like hey norm how you doing you know it's one of those things and it's underneath oak trees it's beautiful yeah and i've had the good fortune of experiencing that place it's a great location i would love to get them on the show look out guys i'm coming after and if you ever have a hangover go get the chili cheese fries (laughs) okay who's the one person i should talk to over there do you know i don't remember his name i'll find out all right so i just gotta say it again thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us to to join us to to share your story if you want to come join your team like what's the best way to connect If, if you're hiring it sounds like you are hiring yeah um just call the restaurant all right uh, i'll get that number in the show notes and again just thank you so much there is no questioning scott you are unstoppable yeah thank you very much <laughs> Cheers. i appreciate what you're doing thank you so much all right there's another one in the archive here at restaurant unstoppable thank you so much to today's guest mentor for sharing your story your knowledge and your guidance we're all better because of it and ladies and gentlemen i need to let you know that jared and i are back on the road beginning september through november we're going to be hitting up denver colorado los angeles san francisco san diego pretty much anywhere and everywhere in between so if you're out there and you're listening to this and you know of a mentor that needs to be made an example of a, a restaurant tour doing it right please put them on my radar hit me up eric at restaurantunstoppable.com instagram twitter at eric cacciatore facebook slash restaurant unstoppable also we're looking for crash pads so if you have a spare bedroom or you have an airbnb that you want to let jared and i use to uh you know live this mission of transforming the industry we could use your support and thank you in advance you know how to get in touch with me again that's eric at restaurantunstoppable.com peace